0: Welcome to Redemption from Addiction Podcast. This podcast is a Christian ministry aimed at helping people overcome their addiction by sharing personal testimonies about their journey. The testimonies shared have a common theme, and that is how Jesus Christ touched their lives and walked them through the entire process, and is still walking with them today. I hope that you will be touched by these stories, and you'll take the next step and invite Jesus into your life, and let Him redeem you from the strongholds of addiction. From addiction podcast, um, and I, I had to tell Stephen uh, when we got on, I'm I'm a little bit starstruck. Uh, so my guest yeah. this evening is uh, <laughs> Stephen McWarder. Uh, he doesn't know, but I've been this this uh, this fan of his. Uh, and when I, I started gravitating to Iron Bell music, it showed up in my my music feed uh, a couple of years ago, and songs like uh, "God That Saves," "I Belong to You." Uh, confidence really you know, are my, my top my top uh, my songs from Stephen. So uh, Stephen uh, he's a songwriter with Essential Music Publishing, Sony, and a recording artist with Lula Street Music Records in distribution with Integrity Music. He is also a touring worship leader, producer, speaker, and author, seeking seeing thousands come to Christ through God's calling on his life and his powerful testimony, which he's going to share tonight. Um, it's a testimony of God transforming him from a meth addict to a worship leader. Uh, also Steven is a, is formerly one of the prominent songwriters and voices for the worship collective Iron Bell Music, which is, uh, like I said, how I found Stephen, um, which is also signed to essential worship and Provident label group. So, um, Steven, I'm just going to kind of turn it over to you. You kind of introduce yourself to the audience and, um, then we'll kind of get into your story. Uh, starting with your childhood welcome man
1: hey man it's good to be on here matt thanks for having me dude yeah uh yeah i mean you pretty much hit it all <laughs> so, uh yeah uh i'm a human being that's a, you know child of god let's go yeah but, um yeah man um uh, do you want me to just share a little bit of my testimony yeah well
0: well, just it's i kind of i kind of like to um connect you know, some people in the audience may have a childhood experience that's similar to yours as a as a son of an evangelist pe- preacher, which I, I think is yep. is kind of uh, unique, but also very common at the same time. So, how, however, you felt led by the Lord to to share your story, I know it's touched many people Bro, already.
1: Yeah, uh, it's all. My, I, I'm an open book, as far as I know. You I think I wouldn't be willing
0: to share? Yeah.
1: <laughs> no. I grew up an evangelist son. My dad was an evangelist and we traveled, you know, church camp, church camp, you know, that kind of thing. And I always say the man I saw by the pulpit and the one I saw behind closed doors were not the same. And, uh, it, it's really, you know, a f- to, you want to honor your, 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 father, your earthly father, uh, the best you can. But you know, the man I saw was like physically abusive with my mom, mm. but then he got up and preached about Jesus. So I was like, you know what? If God's real, uh, he's not good. And I don't want anything to do with him or this Jesus. And uh, that was really the beginning of this intense rebellion for me. And it really all stemmed to, you know, we get our first. Our relationships with our earthly fathers, they're a big deal.
0: Yes, they you are. Know? <laughs> they cannot be yeah.
1: understated. And uh, the way they shape us is really Amazing. And it points a lot to how important our relationship is with the Lord as a father.
0: That's right.
1: And for some of us, you know, as I get into my story, I'll just say this you know, there is a redemption to the story, there's a redemption arc to the story. But, oh, that was a big thing for me for the Lord to show me that He's the actual source of what a father looks like. You know, um, yeah. we 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 see through a distorted, broken lens by however we've been. Even the best earthly father is broken. Like even the best one is going to make mistakes, yeah. and we're looking through that lens at God. But God is the source he is the source of what a father looks like and it's perfect. It's perfect in every way. And that process for all of us, it's different for everybody, but it is one that he's trying to take everybody on Uh, male, female. We're all on this journey of the father, the Holy spirit, the Lord revealing to us what a real father looks like in the Lord. Right. And uh, so for me, that, that was the beginning of my heavier. I was, 13, it was smoking, drinking, and you know, marijuana and that kind of stuff, right? And if you're in addiction, that sounds like the kindergarten,
2: yeah,
1: right? yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, you know, by the time I'm 15, it's coke, pills, I'm selling drugs, the whole nine yards. Um, by the time I'm 17, I'm a full out crystal meth addict.
0: Um, so, Stephen, what, um, what, what do you feel like at what point in? In that transition into your rebellion just kind of springboarded you into, you know, the, the entrepreneurship of, of drug abuse, you know, where you're, where you're not only using, you're also engaged in the distribution and selling of that. Is it just, you
1: know, I I don't know. I think it was, I mean, if I was to analyze it, which I haven't done a lot of, maybe I should, but if I was to, I would say it's probably just a, for many of us finding our place, you know what I mean? Like feeling like we're, you know, selling it, you feel like you're important. Like, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. people want something from you, right? It's a false identity thing. Yeah, That's part of that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it all just stems to just a broken lens and a woundedness. And we're all trying to find someplace where we fit in and we feel like, You know, a lot of the times, I think if you you look back to an addiction, in most instances, start with a fitting in. Mm -hmm. I, I won't say that for everybody, but I think for starting your teens, it's this like, hey, I'm in with these people. And this is kind of what happens. It sounds so cliche to say that, but it's real. Like, you know, you're hanging out with somebody and they're all doing it. Let's do it. It sounds so cliche, but for, for me, that was part of it and the whole like, Hey, you know what? Screw my parents. I'm going to do what I want. (laughs) If I can be irreverent for a minute, that was, that was probably the two go together. You know, the, the, the opinions of people and kind of fitting in and finding my place Mm -hmm. in a broken world, you know,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: uh, led to more brokenness.
0: Yeah. And I think, like you said, Stephen, you almost associated the addictive behavior with the people that you surrounded yourself with to, you know, show me your friends, I'll show you your future kind of thing. Oh,
1: it's real, man. It is so real. Yeah. And, you know, when I got saved, most of those people disappeared. As much as I wanted to see them, you know, get saved or be, you know, some of them did get saved. Some of
0: them did. But, you know,
1: there was a lot of people who just disappeared. Right. And that's, you know, comes with it.
0: So what were the uh aside from the relationship with your father what were the other family dynamics going on during this this period of time
1: Um yeah I mean my just a lot of just you know my my brother's older so I didn't, he wasn't too involved in all that and he was off kind of doing his thing my sister was addicted and stuff too she was in a lot of the same circles Um yeah it was just it was just a lot of like <laughs> it's just a mess, you know. Sure. I mean there's no way good way to put sure. it other than It is it's messy. A mess. And it is a total mess. And I think there's a lot of like denial there where nobody wanted to address the elephant in the room. Right. You know? Um uh, I did. I wanted to address it. I always wanted to address it. You know, I would shove it in people's face. But that's part of being a rebellious kid, being wounded and going through that garbage, you know. Um uh, but you know, again, later on uh, even when I was, you know, starting in math, all this stuff, I hated Christianity. Like I've said in my testimony, you know, i I was the guy that would cuss you out or knock you out. If you mentioned Jesus around me.
2: Yeah.
1: And a lot of it stemmed back to what I saw growing
0: up. Yeah. Well, you, you're earthly father. You associate, there was an association, you know, identity issue there too. Right. So, Um, kind of talk about a little bit, Stephen, if you will, um, those, the depth of your addiction to meth during that five year span, um, like the worst of the worst, like you, you, you hit rock bottom at some point. So kind of describe that a little bit.
1: I mean, I hit rock bottom long before I got saved.
0: It was just,
1: uh, you know, I, I remember using almost every day weighing, about a hundred pounds, uh, being up for four or five days straight, having the conversation with yourself where you are like, "I'm going to die young from this," but I'm not going to quit because it's like really coming to terms with that. You don't get much. You don't get much further down than that. Um, it was it was a mess. It was a dark, dark place. And yeah, so I mean that that was that was really it. You just kind of you kind of isolate yourself from everybody, especially like on meth, you just, you just get all people that are doing it. You're just away, you know what I mean? You're on your own planet. You know what I mean? Uh, very, very dark. And again, the whole being up for four four or five
2: days straight. And I remember being in my car and thinking to myself,
1: Hey, not even out loud, but that very unsettling internal conversation where you're like, you're going to die young, but you're not going to quit. So, Come to terms with it mm-hmm. that's pretty pretty dark
0: yeah, and i I've heard some of your other testimonies, Stephen, where you say um, and some of some of the ones that i have seen you know you're pretty emotional and rightfully so, where you said I remember coming to a point in my relationship with this addiction to meth that I was gonna die, and I remembered that I was okay with it yeah um, and man that 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 touched me. Uh, personally um because i even though we have different uh stories different addictions the mindset was was the same i didn't i didn 't feel like the addiction for me was necessarily going to kill me, but i just yeah. didn 't see the way out and it, it was almost like I came into agreement and and I was okay with being at the time thirty four thirty five years old and um and not not making any changes and and so I, I definitely know where you're you're coming from. So, um, take me kind of through. Uh, yeah. I know you had a lot of people that that loved you, uh, that were probably praying for you, and yeah. somebody introduced you to a book.
1: Yeah, um, I will say this though. With that, and i I'll, I'll always say this because I think it's important every testimony of somebody getting saved is also a testimony of prayer. Somebody was praying for that person. That's right. Maybe it was even before they were born. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like people have been praying and, um, there, there's real power in it. You know, nice. like there's real power in people interceding on behalf of someone. Um, and you know, if you're listening to this, sometimes you might think, Oh, I've got to get this godly person to pray. And you can, uh, but there's a reason why you're burdened about it. There's a reason why you're broken. Like the Lord wants you to pray. You know, He's put it on your heart. Um, and so you know, yeah, people were like that about me. There were some people that were really praying for me. And somebody came and they gave me this book called Case for Christ by Lee Sherwood, which um a lot of people are like, well, I gotta get that book so I can get a bunch of people saved. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, the book's great, but it's it's not about a book. And I think Lee would even say that, you That's know.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: Um it's just what the Lord used to, you know, what works with one person may not work with another because the Lord just does things differently with everybody. Um, but they gave me this book and I just remember being, again, I hated Christianity so much. It is the power of intercessory prayer that I accepted the book, um, without like, you know, knocking somebody out or kicking them out of my house. And, um, Fast forward, I I was living in a house full of, you know, musicians. During that time of my life, I was, like, uh, in metal bands and stuff and, you know, like, doing a bunch of drugs and screaming my head off on stage, that kind of stuff. And uh, so I was living with a bunch of musicians in a house. And I I remember having literally drugs on the side table next to me, reading this book about Jesus. Yeah, I'm not, like, I'm, I'm doing drugs while I'm reading it. So I'm not reading the book thinking, okay, I'm really... And I think I was even reading it like, this is so dumb. I'm going to read this anyway to make fun of it, you know? Mm-hmm. But as I, as I was reading it, um, I don't even remember. There's some point in the book where I was reading something that just clicked. And I just felt the presence of the Lord in the room. Like, I knew I knew he was there. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Other than that, I just knew he was there. And we began to have this internal dialogue where he was like, Stephen, I'm real. I'm good. I have a purpose. For your life, what are you going to do about it? And I always jokingly say that because it'll sound like trite phrases that you've heard a million times. But you know, they're 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 core things. Like I said, you know, the goodness of God was such a wounded place for me. Like the idea that God was good with what I saw was like a a hot button for me. And I just remember being like, God, I want to give you my life. I want, like I told you a minute ago. I mean, dude, I was at the worst place where I was like, I'm going to die. Cause I'm not going to quit. So I just remember like, Lord, I want to give you my life. I want to do this, but I don't know how to quit all this. I mean, 11 years of addiction. Um, my whole life's built around this. I don't know who I am, you know, um, without it, I couldn't remember what it was like to be a little kid and not need something to make me feel good. Yeah. You know, it make me feel happy. I can't, I couldn't remember what it was like to be just to be. Yeah. And, um, just I just remember saying God I, I want to, but I can't uh, just remember the Holy Spirit like being like, hey, <laughs> you won't do it, I'll do it. Mm. And uh that was it, man. I mean like when people say amen, it really is like I agree. Like I agree with something. Yeah. Um when we say amen, we're agreeing with something somebody said. In in John, the gospel of John, Jesus says the only work that the Father asks of you is to believe. To believe what God says, like to really agree with it, like to like I would always say, you know, to agree, like I believe I'm breathing air right now. Like I believe that, know that. When you agree with something that God's spoken to you or said over your life, it like takes tangible shape. And I believed in a way that I, I was just like it was just reality to me. There was no getting out of it. Fell to my knees, gave my life to Jesus that night in that room. Went from literally quit everything overnight, which is insane. Mm-hmm. And I, a lot of people, dude, I've been telling this story for a long time. And um, I've told it at a lot of addiction recovery events.
2: Mm-hmm. I've
1: told it on a lot of podcasts, a lot of radio shows, a lot of everything. And the one thing I always say, because in addiction recovery, you always have somebody who'll say, You can't say that, man. It, it takes time with some people, and blah, blah, blah. It is what it is. That's what the Lord did with me. But I always say this too. Don't be discouraged because in the gospels, Jesus never healed anyone the same way twice. Yeah. Uh, and every story has a purpose. Your story is important. The Lord's going to use it. And don't be discouraged if it took three times because you got there and there's somebody out there that has done that may need to know who the Lord is. He's got a grace and is give up on us. Um, But yeah, that was it, man. Everything pretty much overnight. I quit smoking too, which I always tell people if you're an addict, everybody's like, wow, you quit smoking meth. I'm like, bro, I quit smoking cigarettes. I smoked two packs a day for 11 years. That's the power.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Because you ain't never been to an AA meeting where everybody wasn't smoking.
2: Yeah. They might not be
1: drinking, but they're all smoking. So it was like, okay, God, you've got to be real. because I don't have this kind of willpower. So
0: yeah. And I and I've I've heard people's uh, had experiences like that, and, and I, mine wasn't the same. I mean, I I went through yeah. the uh, the okay. withdrawal period where you know, I had a couple of weeks where you know, it was really uncomfortable. I struggled oh, with yeah. some insomnia, you know. But my story.
1: Oh, hey, uh, I, I I struggled with physical the physical repercussions of mm-hmm. quitting immediately. Um, yeah, I mean, it was like lockdown for a little bit
0: mm-hmm. but yeah i've and i've heard stories of people who you know they they were completely healed and delivered all all in the same wrap. i mean yeah uh good for them hey, i believe and listen god's real <laughs> no doubt so don't put it in a box
1: don't put it in a box for you like that doesn't align with this or with that he's god he's, he's, his ways are higher than our ways and he's real
0: yeah so Stephen. um aside from your so what what took you kind of into you know the post uh recovery years and you know kind of lead me up to where you're at now cuz i know you've transitioned out of Iron Bell, and you're you're um with a uh, you have a partnership at least I, I don't recall the guy's name Claiborne? yeah
1: Jason Claiborne, yeah he uh is nominated for eight stellar awards right now in wow. the gospel music he is a he's a very talented guy he is uh very big in the gospel world and uh yeah that's a whole other thing but um
0: yeah so what yeah, kind of what what I, took you from recovery to worship leader to you know kind of your your recovery story no
1: yeah no it's all good I got, high. I remember somebody's was like, Hey, you should get a job at a worship leader at a church. I was like, wow. Okay. They must be hard up, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I got a job at a, as a worship leader for like the contemporary service at his church. Like when I was younger at that time. And, um, that was the beginning of me. I was, I was on staff for churches, you know, and a worship leader for gosh, 12 years. And then, uh, I felt like the Lord was like, Hey, I want to do something different with you. Um, he uh, wanted me to start telling my story on a more and I didn't know what that looked like and I really just listened to the voice of the Lord and was like okay and um, just really one step of faith with the Lord that made no sense after another and uh, next thing you know I'm at this prayer barn called the Iron Bell and they don't even have a music ministry there's nothing it's just praying and somebody playing in the corner and I did that for about a year and they eventually asked me if I wanted to be a part of kind of what they were doing and then my Best friend Joel Gertis and I. He, he's the guy that sings Sons and Daughters. Mm-hmm. Um, we still travel and our families are together all the time. You know, it's like we just do life. But um, uh, he and I started writing together and stuff, and I, I forget somebody from Nashville. I don't. I, I remember who it is. I just don't want to name drop because it's it's really gross. <laughs> so yeah. I'm not going to do that But somebody saw me doing what I do and he was like hey you should go to Nashville and they started introducing me to songwriters in the industry and um, the Lord just breathed on it and that was the beginning of of, of a lot of that and um, I mean really you can't write it down like we never pitched a record deal or anything it was just the Lord yeah. and that was the beginning of that and we did that for a, quite a, for, a, for a while but then the whole Band that was uh, there was no you're good there was um you know hey ministries ministry and there's people and people are broken and we always have issues and mm-hmm. so we all kind of went our own way as a band and kind of departed from the ministry and uh, we weren't allowed to take the name with us so <laughs> yeah so I was like well I guess I'm stuck with my name and so I went off and did my own thing and uh, that was kind of the beginning of. Uh, Really, that was when the Lord started really pressing play on uh, the salvation aspect of my life, like me seeing people come to Christ. We started doing really big events with like 20,000 people. And all I did was share my testimony and ask people if they want to give their lives to Jesus. And we saw 20% of every room we went in, every place we went to start coming to Christ. It was like we had to change our writer. From like, hey, we need this kind of technical stuff to, hey, we're going to need this many people to pray for people and help us figure out how to yeah. get people that are saved, discipled and into churches in this area and all that stuff. So we had to come up with like people advancing that kind of stuff instead of like, hey, we need these lights and all this stuff. It was none of that. It was all just, hey, look, a bunch of people are going to get saved. So here's what we got to do. And that was kind of the beginning of that. And so here I am now. Uh, in the middle of this pandemic we were in, you know, and, um, I have an old friend who's a black gospel artist and I just felt the Holy spirit be like, Hey, I want you to do something like this. And I reached out to him. I mean, he's like a, he's a Grammy nominated award winner, like stellar award winner. He's it's ridiculous. And he lives 10 minutes from my house and his name is Jason Claymore. And I was like, Hey man, you want to do this? And so we, we did. And the next thing you know, we got a call from this TV show, The Chosen, uh, which is like a big Christian show. I don't know Mm. if people are familiar with it, but and they wanted us to come on and do their Christmas special. And next thing you know, we've got like seven hundred million people (laughs) like like seeing what we do. And it was like the Lord just breathed on it.
0: Now you're talking about Chosen, the 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 crowdfunded series. This, yeah, Mm -hmm. wow, I didn't know that. So, so you guys did a Christmas special.
1: That was. That was that was kind of crazy, and that really kind of changed things. And so him and I have been doing that ever since.
0: Man, that's awesome. So, yeah. um, I I just happen to know because I follow you on your socials. I just happen to know you. You recently mm-hmm. returned home from Israel, and yeah. uh, dude. That's awesome. So I I I realize, and I've never been, but I realize that when people have have been to Israel, is life changing, and I'm fortunate enough to of get some of your feedback as to what that experience was like, because I, um, I would love to, uh, visit myself one day. So, um, yeah, yeah dude,
1: um, it was amazing. I did not plan on going, um, but the Lord planned on me going, <laughs> I literally got a week, a call a week before uh, for this group called the Israel collective. And they actually take like, this is so silly, but they take Christian influencers, people with like a large fan base and they pay for everything. And they bring them to Israel and they take wow. them on this trip where they just basically take them to the places Jesus has been. But then they also educate them on what's going on in Israel and, you know, the Jewish people. And it's very cool. I will just say it was one of the coolest things I've ever done.
2: Mm-hmm. That's it.
1: I didn't really think it was gonna be fun. I was like, Oh, I mean, I know Jesus has been there, but I was like, Oh, this is kinda of awkward. I'm going and just gonna be with a bunch of people I don't know and but it was amazing.
0: Incredible. That's awesome, man. Well, um, as we kinda of close up, uh, Stephen, I Yeah, I also know that uh the, the scripture out of Zephaniah three seventeen is is one is I think your life verse if if I'm misquoting. Yeah.
1: I don't know that I have a life first. A lot of people are like, I have a life first. I'm like, I have the Bible. I don't yes. know if I could say I've got a life first,
0: but Well, I'm I'm in that boat one. with you.
1: It's a big one.
0: Yeah, so out of Zephaniah three seventeen says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you, in his love. He will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Um so Stephen, uh kind of last question I have for you is you, know, you you've got somebody who's listening right now that had has kind of been dealt the same hand you were had a um a rough upbringing a a, a bad relationship with a parent a father and um is you know i've got a tent city uh, where people you know that are that are addicted that's not too far from my house and i know in several cities uh it's the same way um and you know our audience is is geared to reach people in, in that place. Um, so you're talking to almost talking to yourself and, and going through some of the same struggles, the internal battle, um, of what to do next. Um, what, what would you say to that person that's in that place?
1: Um, this is what I always say. Look, God is real. He's real. It's all real. And it's better than you could ever imagine. And if you feel like you're disqualifying yourself because you're like, oh man, I just don't want it as much as these other people. I know I wish I wanted it the way other people want it. There's a, there's a Bible verse and it's called Philippians two 13. And it says, it's God in you. So once you give your life to Jesus, right, it's God in you giving you the desire and the power to do the things that please yeah. him. Many of us think, okay, now I'm saved or I'm not saved yet and I just want to want it more, right? But the most honest thing you could pray right now is, God, I want to want you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like... I want to want you. I don't right now, but I want to want you. It's as honest of a prayer as you can get, man. And it's probably one. You might not stop praying in your life because things are going to creep up and they're going to start pulling your desires in different directions.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And the most honest thing you can do is just stop and say, God, I want to want you more than I do. And that, that's that scripture Philippians two 13 is so drenched with grace because it says he gives you the want to, that you don't have yet. Yeah. <laughs> he gives you the desire you don't have yet.
0: And I think, so that, again,
1: the only work the father asks of you in John is to believe, to believe him, take him out of word.
0: Yeah. And I, I think Stephen, it kind of goes along with, um, you know, most people, at least in Christian circles, know about Jeremiah twenty nine and it twenty nine eleven. But you know, I read scripture in context. I used I used to kind of pick pick scripture out, but I like the before and after effect too, because it there's there's critical information in there. So obviously, <laughs> Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord, "plans to prosper you and not to harm you; plans to give you hope in a future." But then it goes on to say, "Then you will call on me." And yep. come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart and Just like you said, you know it, stephen, you know even though that prayer sounds awkward it's it's not it's completely unorthodox when you um think about prayer in the context of you know some pastor doing it, but what God wants is all of us completely submitted. And he wants the real us, not the, uh, just the honesty, um, from, from our own condition (laughs) and and submission.
1: it's It's a submission is a word that most addicts hate. Yeah. Love. It's like saying yes to the best thing you could ever imagine and didn't know you needed and wanted because, the Lord, it's like, I, again, when I would pray God, you're, you know, people would say, Hey, I'll pray for God's will to be done. I'd be like, Don't do that. I, his is going to be a bummer. It's going to suck. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I want what I want. That's because I thought his, 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 what was good for him was a bummer for me. Yeah. What I don't understand is that he's the source of goodness. If I've ever wanted something good, if I have ever wanted to feel good, if I ever wanted anything good in my life, I wanted him and didn't know it. Yeah. And that's the thing that you have to break in your mind. Is what you think you know about God, put aside a church that's broken, put aside a pastor that's broken, a father that's broken. The Lord is real Mm -hmm. and he's good. He's the source of good. And, you know, that even the there's another scripture that's like that, that Jeremiah 2011 is just like, oh, I'm going to get the things I want. No, it's the thing you want that you didn't know you wanted was him. That's right. <laughs> and uh, delight yourself in the Lord is, I think it's Psalm 37, 39 or 37, 34. I can't remember, but it's uh, delight yourself in the Lord. He give you the desire of your heart. That's right. That's because he's the desire of your heart and he's and he delights to give you as much of him as you ask for.
0: That's right. <laughs>
1: delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desire of your heart. Yeah. Because you've become the desire of his heart
0: Yeah. And your I, heart. and I think that you know, in summary, uh, to simplify it. I know scripture can be I've heard people say it's confusing. I don't understand it. And it's really broken down when you put peel all the layers off of what the world has put into it. It's is really just as as simple as as it gets. And um you know, it. I can't. I can't look at this world around me and the people that are in my life, and, and and know that God hasn't put them there with a purpose, and not, He's not put me here with with some purpose and desire. And so this, yeah. and that's why we're all here. That's all. That's why we all exist. And yeah, um, yeah it's uh, it's a beautiful story, especially hearing um, hearing here in your testimony, Stephen. So, man, I am. Uh, I am. So glad you accepted my offer and, and came on and yeah, been a part of our, our show.
1: Can God, well, we're, we're bros now, we're
0: Awesome, man.
3: <laughs> Can he ransom back a marriage? Can he ransom back our children? Can he ransom back our past, our present, our future, our hopes, our dreams? I love what David says in Psalm 68, 20. He says, our God is a God who saves. And I grew up the son of an evangelist, Pat Preacher. And um, in Sunday school, I probably heard the phrase, Jesus is my Savior more times than I can count. But the phrase was like bones without flesh. It just never took on meaning. It never sunk in. It was just a phrase. And my father and I, we had a, we had a rough Relationship It wasn't great. And in my teenage years, when I was 13, I started down a path of alcohol and drug addiction. And from when I was 13 on to my early 20s, um, it was dark, it was heavy substance abuse. In the last five years, of this very dark chapter, I was a crystal meth addict. And every day for those five years, I was using crystal meth. And at one point, you know, I was just thinking, it got so bad that I knew that this is how I would die. And I remember the scary part about it was I was okay with it because I couldn't imagine ever being able to be free from the hold of this spiral that had become my life. But I didn't know that I was about to encounter the God that saves. so, it's good. He is who he says he is. And so, let me just capture a moment for you. It's my story, but it's, it's all of our stories. So imagine a room, it's dark, it's empty. Your thoughts are almost deafening with phrases like, there's no hope. This situation is too far gone. It's too late. This is unredeemable. You are unredeemable. And then a voice whispers. And it's familiar, but yet frightening. And this voice whispers some words, a phrase, that topples every tower of despair, of shame, of pain, of hurt, with one phrase. As he begins to say these words to you, this all crumbles. He says, I am the God that saves. From ashes, from ashes I ransom. From rubble I rebuild, I restore, I revive, I redeem, I renew. I'm revealing myself to you. Do you want to know me? And like many saints before us, we tremble in the presence of this God that says these words. And we say, God, I want to know you. I don't know how to let go of all this. I don't know how to be anything else. I don't know how to let go of the hurt, the hopelessness, the destruction. This situation is gone. It's too much, Lord. I don't know how to let go of this life, this world that I've let surround me like a lifeless tomb, Lord. I don't know how to do it. And then the voice that spoke stars and mountains and all things into being says, you don't have to, because I will. Do you believe that I am who I said I am? Do you believe I am the God that saves? And as you agree with his nature and how he's revealed himself to you, like the sun piercing through the trees after a storm, you see with new eyes The one who is beautiful and powerful and has always been there. And now that thing that seems immeasurable and overwhelming to get past, seems so small in his greatness. And I encountered this God and I know him intimately. This same God said to me, I transform meth addicts into worship leaders.
2: (laughs) Right? Good. So good.
3: And this same God is revealing himself to everyone in this room right now. He says, I am the God that saves. Do you want to know me? I am the Zephaniah 317 God. I am mighty to save, right? I delight in you. I will quiet you with my love. I will sing over you. It's like a father who has found his long lost child. This God is revealing himself to us in this room. and He's saying to you right now, lean in and if you listen carefully you will hear me sing over you a song a song of redemption a song that quiets all the raging rivers a song of salvation a song of victory and God we love you because you are the God that saves and you don't stop there it's not just the moment of salvation Lord You redeem the broken marriages. You save us from the situations that we think are hopeless, God.
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. I hope it touched you in a special way. I encourage all of you who are listening to ask God to help you overcome the strongholds of your addiction, and I promise you He will answer. And for those of you who are in recovery... I hope that this gives you encouragement to continue to fight through the temptation of having any thought of going back to your previous life. It does get better in the days ahead. Please don't forget to subscribe to our channel so you get notified when we post new content. And if you feel so inclined, leave us some feedback. I'm always interested to know how we are helping and understand how we can make this a better experience. Thank you and God bless you.